Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14. <clears throat> Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. The King James translation says profession. This new King James says confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Father, we love you, we praise you, we thank you, and we bless you. We thank you again, as always, for your blessed holy word and the anointing upon that word. We thank you for our ears to hear your word, our hearts to receive it, and our minds to be open to the glorious light of it. Thank you for utterance for all of us, Father and Holy Spirit, so we can proclaim the truth of your word that makes people free. We thank you, Father, for spiritual freedom in a free country, where we're free to worship praise, pray, and speak your word without fear of retribution or reprisal. We thank you again for the blood of Jesus. We speak it, we apply it, we sprinkle it in our lives and the lives of our families and the body of Christ in Jesus' name. We thank you for the power in the blood. We thank you for the power in your word. We thank you that we're set apart by your word, for your word is truth. That's what Jesus said. So we thank you for it. We thank you as always that our faith doesn't stand in the wisdom of men, but in your power, the power of the living God. We thank you, Father, that when we speak, we speak as of the oracles of God. When we minister, minister with the ability that you, our Father God in heaven, give us. So we thank you. We dedicate this service and our lives to, to the ministry of your word. We thank you again, Father, for revelation, heart knowledge of your word. Impartations of grace and light in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Well, many have been taught or even come about the idea on their own that we have to uh, crawl to God as, you know, worms in the dust and, you know, like whipped cowering pups and ask Him about anything. Well, humility, yes, that's important. And we'll look at that. Uh, contrite spirit that's important too when you're coming for salvation and when you're coming for forgiveness but we need to be bold not cowardly when we approach the throne and he's instructed us to do that and these these scriptures that we, we talk about here about humility and contrition and boldness they don't contradict each other the Bible does not contradict itself it never has and never will People will argue that, skeptics, cynics, they'll argue that, that uh, the Bible contradicts itself everywhere and every turn. Well, they haven't studied it. They don't understand what one uh, scripture says about the other. It all comes in line and it's all canonized by the same Holy Spirit. So we're going to see some things about coming boldly to the throne. Boldly to the throne. And we see here in our opening, in this text, that Jesus is our high priest, seeing then that we have a great high priest, a great high priest, not a, a high priest that was, you know, half-hearted, not a high priest like Caiaphas and, and the ones that cared mostly about themselves. We have a great high priest, 
seeing then that we have a great high priest. You know, he, he didn't get lost somewhere between here and heaven. We have a great high priest who passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession, confession. So we've got to line up our confession, of course, with what the Word of God says. Now, if you didn't get anything else and you shut everything down and you went to sleep right now, you'd still have something because we understand that if we line up the confession uh, and, and hold it fast to the Word of God, and we have a great high priest who's been through everything that we've been through, then we don't have anything to be concerned about. We can go boldly. Boldly to the throne of grace. For we don't have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. And some people think they don't have any weaknesses. It says, who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. Well, the Bible says, let the weak say I'm strong. So we can go around all day and say we're strong. And we are strong. Strong in the Lord and the power of His might, right? But was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. Boy, that's something. Wouldn't that be something? To go around and not sin. We have a great high priest. We have. Haven't lost him. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne. The throne of grace. That we can obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. He understands what we need. It's pretty simple, really. Uh, in verse 15, it says, We don't have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. A special encouragement to loyalty is the human sympathy of our great high priest. That's what the commentary here says in this Bible. Couldn't have said it better myself. That's why I like commentary. Somebody... Uh, smarter than me, wrote these, a special encouragement to loyalty. A special encouragement to loyalty is the human sympathy of our great high priest. Like Jesus needed anything to be loyal. I mean, how much more loyal can you be? I've been reading uh, the, the monthly, uh, the April, all the April teachings in, in one uh, daily devotional I read. I've been about the cross and all the things that Jesus went through and the things that he went through before the cross and, and at, you know, during and after. And, and, you know, talk about loyal. That's loyal. But here it says, a special encouragement to loyalty is the human sympathy of our great high priest. We don't have one who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. You know, oftentimes, you know, if you have a boss out in the, <laughs> out in the workforce or you have... Uh, Sometimes somebody above you, they've never done your job, they don't understand it. Somebody telling you how to do something that's never done it themselves. You know, we have that problem a lot in, in uh, state government. Somebody always wants to change something that's not broken, fix something that's not broken. Well, you know, you just go along, you do what you're supposed to do, you act on it, you keep, you, you know, you stay right in there. But here, we've got somebody who's been through everything that we've been through. Oh, he ain't been through. He only lived 33 years. He's never been through the things that we've been through. Come on. Come on, that's what the Bible says. We don't have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted, tempted as we are yet without sin. These are great high priests. So, verse 16, let us therefore come boldly 
to the throne of grace. Boldly to the throne of grace. To obtain mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. Now, we know that boldness, what, what is something that boldness is? It's boldness. We're going to define it here in a minute. But what is something that boldness isn't? It's not arrogance, right? We don't go arrogantly. And we know the difference between boldness and arrogance. I mean, I, I think somebody knows that when they're three years old. They just don't know that they're acting in arrogance at the time. And then the older you get, the more you know the difference. Well, the, the word boldness in the Greek is perhesia. Strong's 39.54. Outspokenness. Unreserved utterance. Freedom of speech with frankness. Candor. Cheerful courage and the opposite of cowardice. The opposite of cowardice. Boldness is the opposite of cowardice. It's, so it's courage, right? It denotes a divine enablement that comes to ordinary and unprofessional people exhibiting spiritual power and authority. A divine enablement that comes to ordinary and unprofessional people exhibiting spiritual power and authority. It also refers to a clear presentation of the gospel without being ambiguous or unintelligible. Parisi is not a human quality, but a result of being filled with the Holy Spirit. Just like over in Acts chapter 4 and Acts chapter 2. You know, in Acts chapter 4, we don't have this, but it says when they, when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God with boldness. And that's what we're talking about, boldness. Come boldly literally means without reservation, with frankness, with full and open speech. We approach a throne of grace, not judgment. So many times people want to go in there and they think, well, God knows everything I did and everything I said and everything I thought. And I've got to get that out of the way before I can go. No, we approach a throne of grace, not of judgment. We're obtaining mercy for the past and grace for the present and the future. And if you go in with that idea, you can go in boldly. We have a legal, scriptural right to be heard. Oh, now, brother, that's just a little bit too bold for me. No, God laid it out for us. He gave us the legal right. We have a legal, scriptural right to be heard. No, I didn't make it up. Isaiah chapter 43, verse 25. Isaiah chapter 43. This verse is open, and these verses are open for misinterpretation, just like about any verse in the Bible. But if you look at it and understand it the way it's written, he says, I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. Put me in remembrance. Let us contend together. State your case that you may be acquitted. 
Now that's a, that's a little bit blind. You know, if you just read it that way, it says, you know, you, you might think, well, lay your, your case before him for, you know, forgiveness of sins. No, he says, I, even I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake. So if he's blotting something out, why would you need to contend with him about it? It says, he's blotting out, blots out your transgressions for my own sake. I will not remember your sins. Stop. Just like a telegram. Stop. Put me in remembrance. What? Of what? My sins? No. Put me in remembrance of what the word says. Let us contend. Let us plead together. State your case that you may be acquitted. And that word acquitted, like I said, is a little bit blind. It really, in the, in the King James, it's, it's better. It says uh, that you may be justified. Well, how, how, do you, how does a lawyer plead a case? Through law and precedent, right? They look at what the law says. They look at precedent. They cite other cases. And they plead before the judge, before the jury. And this is just basically the same thing. We have a legal right to go to the throne of grace boldly to plead our case. He told us to. He said, put me in remembrance. Of what? Put me in remembrance of what the word says considering your situation. That should give you boldness to go before the throne and, and contend with him. We're going to contend with God? No, it means just laying your case before him legally. Pleading it like a lawyer. A lawyer uses precedent and law. God, we use God's word and his, his covenant promises. Not things that we've conjured up, stirred up. His covenant promises. What he's promised us. What he's given us in his word. It's not man-made in this instance, but what he's promised. And this is, this is actually a challenge from God to lay your case before him. Put it before him. When you come according to his word, what happens? His word doesn't fail, does it? We know several things about the word, right? That it doesn't change. That it doesn't fail. That God's not a respecter of persons. That you're saved by grace through faith, not of works, lest anyone boast. Let's look at that. Yeah, Isaiah chapter 55. We talk about this quite frequently. Let's look at the whole context of it instead of just one verse. Isaiah chapter 55 and verse 6. We'll begin with verse 6. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Why is that in there? Well, because he said, I'm not going to strive with man forever. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Well, he can be found right now. Call upon him while he is near. And we, we know how to draw near to God. We'll look at that here in a minute too. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord. He'll have mercy on him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. And God goes on to say, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Thank God, right? Think about your thoughts sometimes. 
That doesn't make any sense. Think about the things that you think sometimes. Aren't you glad that his thoughts aren't your? For my thoughts are not your thoughts. He said, for the heavens are higher than the earth. So are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven do not return there, but water the earth, make it bring forth in bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void. What does the word void mean? Empty, without fruit. His word doesn't return empty or without fruit. Doesn't return void. It accomplishes what I please. It shall accomplish what I please. Shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. So don't let people tell you, well, you're box, putting God in a box, you're boxing up God, you're making him do something that you, you want the word to do. He said his word. He put his word out there and it'll accomplish what he pleases and prosper in the things for which he sent it. Not for what some skeptic thinks it says, but what the word says. That's why we have to study it to show ourselves approved unto the Lord. Workmen that need not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. For you shall go out with joy, verse 12, and be led out with peace. Why? Because of what his word says. Go out with joy and be led out with peace. Mountains and the hills shall break forth into singing before you. And all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress tree. Instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle tree. And it shall be to the Lord for a name for an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. Shall not be cut off. So it ain't changed and it's not going to change. Won't be cut off. Thank God. And we think, well, how do we do that? Well, you have to find it in His Word, right? You need something, you have to find it and present it to Him. That's simple. Well, I, I like being a simple-minded person. I don't like complex things. Do you? I mean, you, you can study physics and, you know, those type of things if you want to. I like to add 1, 1, get 2. Not 1 and X and get Z, Y and C and all the other things. But, I mean, that's just the way my mind works. But it is simple. I mean, he didn't make it complex. He said, my word. His word. The Bible says he hastens his word. He watches over his word to perform it. You know, here's the key. Look at Hebrews chapter 8 and verse 6. We know this one. We repeat it all the time. Do we have it in our heart now, though? It says, Now he has obtained a more excellent ministry, inasmuch as he, he, Jesus, is also mediator of a better covenant, which was established on better promises. Now think about this. If you think, and, and if you've studied the Old Testament, you know the Old Testament stories, and about the men of faith in the Old Testament. These were covenant people, right? When they prayed, they got their prayers answered. You think about Abraham. You know, he had a child at, a, at an old age and became the father of many nations. I mean, we can read his story and study it and you think, well, 
you know that was there was a good faithful man think about Joshua Moses right hand man Joshua the things that he accomplished opened the river Jordan right stop time the man stopped time oh no God did that well yeah God did it but by the authority of one of his people who prayed Elijah called fire out of heaven to consume the offering and consume the altar some of the things he did Elisha some of the things he did David's mighty man shielded from death in war supernaturally because of covenant prayers they, co- they remembered the covenant they knew the covenant and it says we have a better covenant mediated by Jesus because of Jesus we've got a better one established on better promises Old Testament men who understood their covenant you, you think well, let's look at let's just look at one of them one of these things look at Joshua chapter 10 People get this out of whack too. Look at verse, start with verse six. And the men of Gibeon sent to Joshua at the camp at Gilgal, saying, "Do not forsake your servants. Come up to us quickly. Save us and help us. For all the kings of the Amorites who dwell in the mountains have gathered together against us." So Joshua ascended from Gilgal. He and all the people of war with him, and all the mighty men of valor. And the Lord said to Joshua, "Do not fear them, for I have delivered them into your hand." Not a man of them shall stand before you. That's, what, that's exactly what he said in Joshua chapter 1. No man shall stand against you. Because I'm not going to leave you or forsake you. And he repeats it here. Eight chapters later, right? Nine chapters later. He said, not a man shall stand before you. Joshua therefore came up upon them suddenly, having marched all night from Gilgal. So the Lord routed them before Israel, killed them with a great slaughter at Gibeon, chased them along the road that goes to Beth Horon, and struck them down as far as Azekah and Makeda. And it happened as they fled before Israel and were on the descent of Beth Horon that the Lord cast down large hailstones from heaven on them as far as Azekah, and they died. There were more who died from the hailstones than the children of Israel killed with the sword. He said, I'm going to take care of you. They didn't stand there and scratch their head. They did what they were told. And more of them were killed with hailstones than than in the military action. Then Joshua spoke to the Lord in the day when the Lord delivered up the Amorites for the children of Israel. And he said in the sight of Israel, Son, stand still over Gibeon and moon in the valley of Ajalon. So the sun stood still and the moon stopped till the people had revenge upon their enemies. Is this not written in the book of Jasher? So the sun stood still in the midst of heaven and did not hasten to go down for about a whole day. And there had been no day like that before it or after it that the Lord heeded the voice of a man, for the Lord fought for Israel. Then Joshua returned, and all Israel with him to the camp at Gilgal. This great miracle, here in the commentary, this says, this great miracle is clearly the result of God's sovereign power in response to Joshua's authority in prayer. I like that. He speaks directly to the sun and moon. 
See, verse 12, sun stands still over Gibeon and moon in the valley of Ajalon. He speaks directly. They obeyed, obviously at God's command, and the delayed sunset enabled Israel to have revenge upon their enemies. If one eliminates the supernatural from this account, one is left to speculation and human reason. And many people are left to speculation and human reason every day of their lives. If somebody gets healed, people are speculating and giving reason upon it. Right? If somebody's protected supernaturally, everybody says, well, you know, that didn't happen because of this and that didn't happen because of that. No, let's not eliminate the supernatural. Let's live in it. Here's a case. And the best thing is that he used his authority and spoke directly. We have a better covenant. Better covenant. Same covenant rights they had, but better because of Jesus. In fact, he said, Jesus kind of backs this up, not speaking directly, but indirectly, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 18, he says, Assuredly, I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle, that's we little marks, if you look it up, will by no means pass from the law till all is fulfilled. He didn't come, he said also, he said, I didn't come to do away with the law and the prophets, I came to fulfill them. And we've got a better covenant established on better promises because of him. Established on better promises. If this belonged to them, it belongs to us. That's not going to change. We can't confuse a penitent heart with boldness approaching the throne. Some people do that. We think that, you know, and I'm not saying that you should go in laden with sin. I'm just saying that we can't confuse the penitent heart with what we're instructed in the Word. If you look at Psalm 34, this is where a lot of people get this. Verse 17, the righteous cry out, the righteous cry out, and the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. Why? Next verse explains it. The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and save such as have a contrite spirit. Contrite. We use that word every day, don't we? No, we don't. But the American Dictionary of the English Language gives this definition. Uh, Brokenhearted for sin, deeply affected with grief and sorrow for having offended God, humble, penitent, as a contrite sinner. A broken and contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. Showing sincere remorse is another definition from dictionary.com. It's filled with a sense of guilt and the desire for atonement. It's penitent. We don't, confu don't confuse that with going boldly. The righteous cry out and the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. And how does that happen? Well, the Lord's near to those who have a broken heart save such as have a contrite spirit. We've already done that. We've been there and done that. We're already born again. Go in boldly. 
Contrition isn't a substitute for boldness. It's not a substitute for humility either. Humility is plainly defined in the Word of God. It's wearing a bun in your hair and you're dressed down to the ground. And No, it's not. Here's what it is. James chapter 4. You want to be humble that way? That's your business. But it's not mine. Verse 6 says, But he gives more grace. He gives more grace, not less. More grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, what's the therefore, therefore? Submit to God. Resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. Draw near to God, and he'll draw near to you. Draw near to God, he'll draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, sinners. Purify your hearts, double-minded. That ain't you. That, that's not us he's talking about. Cleanse your heart, sinners. You're not sinners. You were sinners. You've been saved by grace. Cleanse your heart, sinners. Purify your hearts, double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning, your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he'll lift you up. Go boldly to the throne of grace. Christians need to go boldly to the throne of grace to obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We're saved by faith and repenting. Right? Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 lays it right out for us. For by grace you've been saved through faith and that not of yourselves, it's a gift of God. So don't confuse contrition or being contrite with boldness or humility. Humble yourselves for the Lord, he'll lift you up. And, and I dare say that most people who are Christians and live and abide in the Lord and abide in his word have a humble heart. Somebody who's cocky and arrogant isn't abiding in the Lord. They might be saved. But you have, when you live in the Lord and understand that your life is in Him, your hope is in Him, your love is in Him, you won't be arrogant. After we're saved, we move forward, right? With boldness. Why? Hebrews chapter 13. We quote some of these scriptures so often we leave out the context and sometimes you know, we don't understand where it's coming from. He says, let your conduct, your manner of living, be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have, for he himself has said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. I'll never leave you or forsake you. We saw that in Deuteronomy. We saw it in Joshua. We see it in the New Testament. We have a better covenant, right? Established on better promises. So we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear what can man do to me. 
Remember, those who rule over you have spoken the word of God to you, whose faith follow, considering the outcome of their conduct. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Thank God he doesn't change. So if you're instructed to go boldly yesterday and today, you will be tomorrow. He doesn't change. He doesn't leave you or forsake you. You go in boldly, not arrogantly. You've already got a humble heart. You're already saved. If it's a time of need for you, you have to adhere to his word. He understand he's our high priest. Remember, we have legal precedent for this. Legal precedent. We have a better covenant. Established on better promises. So we can approach boldly. Boldly. To obtain mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. Some people haven't gone in boldly. They've gone in. But look, we'll close with this one. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies. He says, the Father of mercies. Writing to the church at Corinth. Blessed be God, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort. Go boldly. Set forth your cause. Plead your case. Lay it before him. Tell him what his word said. He, not because he doesn't know. Do you think those judges that sit on the bench haven't heard all those same arguments a thousand times? But he can't act on it unless the, the attorneys throw down the right precedent and the right law. His hands are tied. Let's not tie the hands of God. Let's lay it before Him. Find out what the Word says. Get in there and dig it out. Study it out. Find somebody that you can ask. If you're not comfortable, ask somebody. Don't be afraid. Be bold. Boldness. Come boldly to the throne of grace. Father, we love you. We praise you. We glorify and we bless you. We thank you as always for revelation, heart knowledge of your word. Father, we don't take it lightly. We don't take it for granted. But we'll study it to show ourselves approved unto you. Workmen that need not to be ashamed rightly dividing the word of truth. We honor you today, Father. We praise you and thank you. We thank you for the privilege of studying. We thank you for the privilege of speaking your word. We thank you for the revelation knowledge that will rise up and you'll give us grace to help in our time of need. We come boldly today as individuals with individual needs. We come boldly as a church body. We thank you for 
open hearts to your word. We thank you for the privilege of speaking your word, teaching it, studying it. And our need is to get the word out. So we thank you for it. We believe you for it. Jesus told us to do it. To go into all the world and preach the gospel. So we're going to do that. And you lead us and guide us in that area. Father, we thank you again for the privilege of serving you. In Jesus' name, amen.